Good afternoon. Welcome to Transition Solutions. I'm Chickie Fitzgerald, your host, and it has been a while since we have done a Transition Solutions show. This show is intended for those of you who are uh, in transition, as we say, or or perhaps uh, you're not unemployed, but you are underemployed. Uh, That is running rampant these days. We have two guests today, and our first one is Eleanor Stutz, and Eleanor is the author of a book called Hired, and the tagline on the book is how to use sales techniques to sell yourself on interviews. Eleanor, welcome. Thank you so much, Chicky, for having me today. Well, it is a pleasure to have you on again. I think the last time you were on the Executive Girlfriends Group show, and uh, this show is a, a little bit more broadly promoted uh, not only to women, uh, but also to men. So I am just delighted to have you back. And uh, why don't you start out by what it is that prompted you to write this particular book? Because sales is is kind of your thing, right? Uh, it's definitely my thing. I had an <laughs> 11-year corporate sales career as a top producer. It just came naturally. And uh, the idea came... Uh, in a very bizarre way, actually, I was on a stretcher nine years ago with a broken neck, and my life flashed oh my in front gosh. of me while waiting to be admitted, and it was very evident that community service was missing from anything I had ever done. So I made a vow that should I be able to walk out of that hospital, I'd begin giving back to communities, whatever that looked like. So fast forward, I recuperated, and about a year later began Smooth Sale and a sales training company, and my community service became helping groups of job seekers understand how to sell themselves on interviews. And invariably, everybody wrote back saying that my skills worked. They had never heard of the sales techniques being implemented that way before. And so when the economy fell and I it finally started to sputter and come back a tiny bit, I realized it was time to write the book to help more people understand how they, too, could sell themselves on interviews. Well, that's great. You know, Eleanor, uh, the, your first book that we talked to you about on the Executive Girlfriends Group was Nice Girls Do Get the Sale. And I remember when I uh, was first looking through all the different titles of, of uh, authors, that had submitted uh, to be on the show. I was just so intrigued by that title. And, you know, it's so interesting to see how you have parlayed that skill set into this book. So why don't you just start us off? Um, You know, clearly the book is is for people who are looking for a job, but uh, is it necessarily written to the unemployed, or do you address also those people who are either underemployed or trying to find something else even within their own company? Oh, within the company, too. In fact, uh, in that first book you mentioned, I say you always have to sell to management. You have to let them know what you're working on, what your accomplishments have been. This is for a number of reasons, you know, to get that raise or to get the promotion, to get into a higher career spot. So, The book is for everybody, and there are a lot of very creative ideas, and I even address students on how, if they don't have any work experience, how they can be seen as an expert in their field, believe it or not, with today's technology, to get that job. So I believe it it applies to everybody looking for work, whatever that may look like. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard stories about the kids who are coming out of college now. My my nephew just actually graduated last Saturday. And I, I have heard that some of these kids are even taking their parents on job interviews with them because oh they don't really know how to communicate because, you know, they spend their lives texting. And, uh, you know, texting does not conversation make. No, that's terrible. What do the uh, hiring men... Yeah, what do the hiring managers think of that? I can't imagine that they get the job. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, you have to be able to stand in your own shoes and express why you believe you're the right person for the job and how you're going to help the company. 
Definitely. So let's let's actually start with your your methodology, which actually begins with a word that I'm suspecting that you coined called salesology, the (laughs) stages of the sales cycle. Yes, I did coin that. Yeah, um, when I when I was first in sales, landed the job. And I, I was told you need to follow a sales cycle, and I asked, what's that? So I, fig- <laughs> I figured if I'm teaching people how to sell themselves, they need to know what the steps are and how it applies to interviewing. So first of all, you need to know who you're going to be speaking to. Obviously, you need to do the research ahead of time. You would do that on a regular sales call as you would on an interview. You have to know... Uh, the company, what's important, the keywords on the website, the management, everything you can possibly remember about the company is very, very important. So let me start from the beginning. First of all, you need a positive mindset. You can't take into account people say, oh, you'll never get that job or that's way above your head. Um, you just have to go go for it. As they say, be energetic, smile a lot, be polite, and listen to what the hiring manager has to say. Um, and, you know, the goal setting and planning, that applies to anything that you do. So you have to know what you want from your career, what the first steps will be, what a career path might look like. Obviously, it's going to change over time, but you have to have some idea of what you want and what you bring to the table. Then there's the sales funnel, and what that refers to is you may go on many interviews, and it's the final one that's highly qualified. You like the company, the company likes you. That's the one that will slip through the funnel, and you'll be offered the job. So that's important to know. So that that comes in line with prospecting, actually, because right. the the more ducks you can line up, the more likely you'll get a job. Brand development right. and, is, and, oh, and Eleanor. Bef- before you go on to that, you know, I, I think it it ha- has been so many people have flooded the job market over the last eighteen to twenty four months, and and very very seasoned people who are putting in their information largely into online systems because the days seem to really be gone where you can actually walk into a company and and find somebody who you can hand your resume to uh because so many companies have cut out uh you know even having a front desk person so as you're doing your prospecting how do you propose that that people even uh get past those filters because i i know for myself um you know i'm i'm very successful in my consulting practice but i don't have a college degree and so anytime I have to go and fill out a form online for anything, I think, you know what, they're they're just going to completely throw me, you know, in the do not call pile simply because I've been pre-filtered, even though I may be the best person for the job. So what what advice do you have on that front? Oh, you're absolutely right. It's really about networking, know, knowing your friends, asking them how they like their job, are there any openings. Uh, in the dot-com bus days, that's how my husband got rehired, was to call mm-hmm. a friend who just switched companies. Uh, network, you don't necessarily have to go to those unemployment groups because those can be depressing. <laughs> but uh, what I found in the better days, and if you can afford it, Find some kind of a trade show event, say if you're in the corporate environment, and go there because under one roof you're going to find a couple hundred companies if it's a big event. And then you can read the backdrop, the literature, see if it appeals to you, see who's representing the company behind behind the table, see if uh, you know they look like the people you want, might want to be associated with. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of creative ways to do this. And if you're on social media, uh, you might find people who think similarly to you, and uh, you may put out a question to them, have a private conversation. There are just so many ways today to find a job. You just have to be mm-hmm. a little bit creative. Yeah, you know, we have uh we have actually negotiated with a couple of travel industry trade shows because I, you know, I spend my consulting time in the travel industry. And we have actually gotten them to allow us to have a certain number of free uh entry passes to shows and and people 
uh, rather than putting in a company name when they register, they actually put in between successes. So their job, their badge <laughs> says, you know, Chickie Fitzgerald in between successes. And it lets people know that you're on the market, that you're there, you know, and it, and so it's worth talking, you know, within whatever industry that you're in. I, I like that idea about the trade show, but I would encourage you to, to try to figure out, um, you know, whether they will let you in at a, a severely reduced rate or even free. Oh, yes, and I love that title that you use. That's very clever. Well, it's funny. And when we first started doing these shows, we actually were calling it being on sabbatical because my, my co-host at the time, Tiffany Topsick, uh, had been out of work for about six months, and every time she would tell people that she had lost her job, you know, in December, they would have this pitying response of, "Oh, you poor thing." But then she started saying she was on sabbatical, and everybody was jealous of her. <laughs> and I thought, well, <laughs> yeah. that that's really great because you know, taking time and actually being on sabbatical or saying I'm in between successes just, you know, automatically boosts your your mindset. I think you know, which uh, as you said was really the first thing that you get got to get your arms around. So let's let's talk about developing your brand because a lot of people, particularly those who've been in a single industry or with a single company for a long time, haven't really thought about building up their brand. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's it's good to know uh, where, where your interest lies, what got you in your career or field of endeavor in the first place. And, uh, for example, I always liked to travel. When I was young, I traveled on my own, and then I studied anthropology. And it just all tied into going into sales and learning about people. So, you know, where are your interests, your passions? Have you been at work for a while? Have you won any awards? Has management consistently described you in such a way? You just need to think about what people have said about you over the years and uh, your the high spots of your career or your education, what you enjoy most, and that's what becomes your brand. It's, it's how you describe yourself, your interests. And you need to speak to that with enthusiasm so that people can see, yes, that's the type of person I'd like on my team. Does that make sense? Absolutely. In fact, uh, one of the things that I would uh, build on that with is uh, the use of LinkedIn specifically for that because one of the things that you can do, and, and I know a lot of people go out and actually solicit uh, people to write recommendations for them, but one of the best ways I have found is to write that concise statement as your tagline on LinkedIn and then to go and actually write recommendations for others. And it's amazing that if you write recommendations for other people who you've worked with, they will invariably turn around and write it for you. And then you can use the information from what they've said about you as a quote from them rather than talking about yourself. So um, I, I encourage our listeners to do that as well. So the next chapter in the book is about prospecting, and we talked a little bit about that. But if you have, have been with a particular company for a long time, and if you don't have any local companies that are in the same industry, um, where do you start in your prospecting? Yeah, it could be a little uh, depressing at first, but then you need to use the creative side of your brain and start thinking what other companies might complement the one that you're in. Is there something, would you like to stretch yourself? Or maybe you are ready for an adventure and ready to move to another city, see what it's like there. I mean, the possibilities are endless. So I for me, I'm an adventurer, and maybe it's easier said than done, but I like the ideas of trying different things. One time I was in the business equipment field, and then I took a job to illustrate the example in, in a print company, and then it allowed me to better understand how people utilize print versus equipment, and when I went back to the equipment industry a couple years later, I became more adept at selling the equipment. So sometimes complementary, you know, sideways advancements helped considerably. Right. Well, again, we, uh, as we were talking earlier, so many people have taken jobs that, that are actually beneath uh, their skill or certainly beneath their uh, their pay that they have had in the past. And and so prospecting, you know, can be daunting when you've taken that that uh, step down or or even just a step sideways when 
previous to being laid off, you might have been actually up for, you know, or should have been up for a promotion. Uh, and, you know, so what what do you say to folks about what kind of level job they should be looking at uh, when they're doing their prospecting? I, I would look at, at different levels, not necessarily feel, oh, gee, I have to apply for this low level. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's the same in sales. You want to in sales, you sell to small companies, medium size, and large. And obviously, it's the large ones that'll get you repeat business referrals and testimonials. But in prospecting for jobs, it's the same thing. You want to try all different types of companies, all different types of positions. You might get very lucky and get a job above where you already are. I know it's a tough economy, but surprises do happen. And you can't, the whole thing is not giving up. You have to keep trying. If if, uh, you're the sole provider and you need food on the table, yeah, sometimes you're stuck and you have to take a lower level job. But, if you can hold out and get a better one, that would be my advice. It's a balancing act. Right, right. So um, you've talked a little bit about researching and qualifying your prospects, and I'll tell you what, I can't stress this one enough because I get called all the time of, you know, people wanting to know if we're hiring. And, you know, and they'll ask, you know, can I speak to the decision maker? And I mean, it takes two seconds to to do www.solutions.com, which is my company name, and to find out who who the decision maker is. And you know, I find even even when salespeople call me, it it, it just that's one of my pet peeves is that they haven't done their homework. So. Um, beyond just doing some of the basic uh, fact-checking of looking at a company website and, uh, you know, checking, you know, Googling the company and seeing what you can find, do you have any other research tips for us for qualifying prospects? Oh, sure. I believe it's very important to read the business news every day so that you're on top of what's happening in the economy and internationally. And then more importantly, you need to be able to apply that business news to the company and its industry. And then you can take it a step further and research the competition to see what type of clients they have, where they excel, and how it compares to the company with whom you want to interview. And while you're doing your research, you may as well find out if the company where you want to interview is profitable because you don't want to be facing another layoff. So there's a whole lot of research that needs to be done up front. And then a very good tactic is to have an informational interview at a competitor so that you can get some of the lingo and some of the issues facing the industry so that you are prepared when you do get the interview at your desired company. You sound really intelligent and far more so than the other candidates. Very good, very good. Now, you've talked a lot about um, relationship and and how to form relationships and tapping into your network and and doing that research and coming in prepared. So the next two chapters in the book are about relationship, both building and selling. Can you you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. uh, Very often people interview as a victim where they just sit there and answer questions and they don't look too energetic and obviously they won't get the job. Well, when you're armed with your research, you uh, go in, be prepared to have a two-way conversation, know what questions you need to ask of them so that you can qualify whether they'll be a good candidate for you to say yes to a job. And you, the first thing that anyone should do on any kind of meeting is to... Uh, Ask something to the effect, you must receive so many resumes. What caught your interest to invite me in today? That's the only way you are going to, yeah, that's the only way you are going to get on the right path quickest. And uh, it will lead to a very honest conversation. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, so it eliminates the BS. They obviously are busy obviously get hundreds of resumes, yet you're sitting in front of them. Why is that? So they must have liked something about them because that's what you want to capitalize on is what caught their interest and really hammer that home. Well, and let me ask you a question because we, we talked about uh, 
going online to apply for jobs and and how that mm-hmm. can often screen things out and that, that you don't actually get the call back. What what's the proper protocol for how often you should follow up? Um, you know, either after a first interview or before you've heard. You know, when the company's actually kind of gone silent. Uh, after initially perhaps even doing a phone interview and they say that you know they're going to get back and narrow it down and perhaps they give you a two-week time frame, what's the right protocol for how often you should call back? Yeah, that's an excellent question because I've, I've heard terrible stories about that too where they say the offer is coming with FedEx and I'll be there any day and it never arrives. So um, I, first of all, As soon as you have an interview or a phone screen, you've got the email, send a thank you email and send a note card the same day so they get the note card because most people don't send a note card these days. It's an old-fashioned technique. So your note card with your phone number underneath your signature sits on their desk for a week or so, and it's a reminder. That helps. Uh, And then if you've had an in-person interview, I would say wait a week to check in to see how it's going. Let them know that you're excited about the opportunity. And don't call Monday morning and don't call Friday because people are busy then. Call the middle of the week. And if your interview was on a Thursday or Friday, then wait till the following Thursday to call. That would be my advice. And then... Before before you hang up the phone, if it's a phone interview or you leave the premise, ask when you can expect to hear back or when they would like you to check in. Actually, from a sales perspective, it's much better to say, when would you like me to check back with you? And they say, oh, don't right. call us. We'll call you. You know, well. <laughs> well, uh, but that takes us to uh, actually your final two chapters, which are, are from objection to trial close and then from negotiation to final close. So the the don't call us or, or we're busy right now focused on other things, that's simply an objection that has to be overcome. So uh, give us an example uh, in our last uh, couple of minutes here of, of how you actually get over some of those common objections and what is the definition of a trial close when you're trying to get a job. Yeah, a trial close is to see if you're on track for getting it. And you might ask, uh, what, what are the qualifications of your lead candidate? What are you looking for? And by the end of the conversation or near the end, you might ask if it sounds as if you have those qualifications they are seeking and mm-hmm. to know if you're on track. And to get over objections, uh, it's called reframing. So if someone says, I like you, but you don't have experience in, you need to have a one- to two-minute story ready about how you overcame a tough situation with which you had no experience before. So even if you're a young student who just graduated and don't have work experience, you might have had a a project that you had to complete, which you needed to research, you needed to get a team together, you needed to get help, and by the time you delivered your paper, you got an A-plus because a way exceeded expectations. So when people say, I like you, but you don't have experience, you give that one- to two-minute example of how you overcame the obstacle to a great success. And then the trial close is, is this the type of candidate you're seeking as your next employee? They have nowhere to go but to say yes. So if you can do this three times, they start to talk themselves into the fact that you're the person they want. Very good. So what is the difference between that and the final close? The final close? (laughs) You have to understand, I have a sense of humor. <laughs> so, a long time ago, I said, so would you like me to come to work on Monday at 8 or 8.30 in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the answer was, well, next week is too soon, but can you start in two weeks? Oh, Wow. And when I was 16, I didn't know a thing about sales. It's just kind of a, I guess, uh, intuitive knack that I have. 
Uh, Somebody said, well, I'm not sure. You're a little young. I wasn't even 16 yet. I want to be a secretary part-time. So uh, he said, I just don't know. And I said, he said he was going to interview other people. And I replied, well, you know, I cleared the afternoon to talk to you. Why don't you just test my skills now and see if they meet your expectations? Oh, and he looked great. startled, and he said, okay. <laughs> and at the end of the two hours, I said, well, what do you think? Am I hired? I mean, I did that before I was 16. Oh, that's excellent. Well, Eleanor, it has been fun. It is always too short when we talk. Um, before we uh, wrap this up and go on to our next guest, uh, can you tell folks how you like to be communicated with? I know uh, you clearly have a website, and uh, you might want to share with folks if uh, if you want to be contacted by Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, what's your preferred method? Oh, thank you. It's different on all of those. Facebook, Eleanor Stutz, Smooth mm-hmm. Sale, S-A-L-E, on Twitter. But my email is Eleanor, E-L-I-N-O-R, at Smooth Sale, S-M-O-O-T-H-S-A-L-E dot net. And my phone is 800-704-1499. That's 800-704-1499. Well, Eleanor, thank you so much. Again, Eleanor's book is Hired, How to Use Sales Techniques to Sell Yourself on Interviews. Eleanor, I really appreciate you joining us today, and I hope you have a great rest of the day and a wonderful weekend. Well, thank you, Chicky, for the opportunity to talk with you. It was a delight. I appreciate it. All right. Terrific. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay, next we are going to move on to talk about the image of success. Let me get our guest on the line here. Lysandra, are you there? I'm here. Terrific. Well, welcome. You Uh, you and I didn't get a chance to talk before the show, but uh, we have been talking about all of the different uh, techniques of actually prospecting and and. Actually, we probably should have had you on first because I, I think, you know, the interesting thing about your book is it really brings us back to the impression, the first impression. Absolutely. So, We're going to talk a little bit about appearance, we're going to talk about behavior, and we're going to talk about communication, which you call the interview ABCs. But before we do that, why don't you give us a little bit about your background? Well, uh, I have been a recruiter for 15-plus years, Uh, actually uh, fell into it by accident. Uh, I was a candidate who apparently did quite well in my interview and uh, the firm that I interviewed with hired me. And I actually had no experience, and your last guest was talking about how to sell yourself when uh, you don't really have that experience. But I had uh, I had sales experience. I actually had retail sales experience, and the job required a lot of the necessary skills, a lot of similar skills that translated into uh, recruiting. And uh, and so I got the opportunity to be trained at a, at a recruiting firm in New York City. And um, about nine years later, I had the opportunity to move on with the former owner of the firm, and uh, I became a founding partner at a staffing firm also in New York City called Perennial Resources International. Uh, in the interim, I also became certified as an image consultant through the Fashion Institute of Technology. And that was um, both for personal uh, personal growth and also I felt that it, w- it gave me more of a methodology uh, behind training and counseling candidates to get the job. So I felt that the two were uh, very well connected. And uh, and then as I used both of my uh, recruiting and coaching skills, um, I'd always wanted to write a book, and so I decided to write The Image of Success. Well, you know, you, you hit on something that that is actually near and dear to me, because a few years ago, actually, I was about to turn 50, and I actually hired an image consultant. And she came in. My husband was actually out of town. 
And she went through every stitch of clothing in my closet, in my drawers, every piece of jewelry, all of my shoes, all the way down to uh, the the undergarments. To studs, right? <laughs> and and it was actually the most amazing experience I've had because we ended up obviously with the pile of things that looked absolutely fabulous on me and the things that didn't fit were torn etc that ended up either being given away or thrown away depending on on the quality of of where they were and the interesting thing was that after she left well she she then the next day took me shopping and had amazing shopping skills i have never seen somebody who could find so many things that were perfect uh but that you know became those foundational pieces right. um but i ended up going through my husband's closet <laughs> cuz he was gone and and did the same thing of of the things that he had just been hanging on that didn't fit, and, and didn't uh, it feel great to purge? It it's a great feeling it did to purge because yeah. you hang on to so many things that uh, either just for oh I don't know emotional reasons or or just because yeah. you overpaid for them uh, or you think you're going to lose weight uh, right. or gain I don't know or gain weight maybe some people uh, it's never been my problem but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so you hang on to things and and. Um, that's one of the things that that I write about that uh you know when you go shopping especially when you go shopping for career items which tend to be more expensive because they are uh pieces that are as you said your your foundation pieces to a career wardrobe for instance a suit uh you want it to fit a certain way and you want to buy it uh, with the purpose of keeping it for for several seasons, you want it to be an evergreen piece in your wardrobe. So uh, so you really have to be realistic about your size, um, about um, your intention for buying it. Um, is it an interview suit or is it a suit that right. you're going to keep for uh, just for your everyday use of business? Um, so those things are, are really important uh, to to be able to to shop appropriately. So let's talk about the basics of appearance. Um, you actually start the book uh, talking about the F-bomb, and the F-bomb is actually flair. Yes. So is flair a, a definite no-no? Well, flair is something that is absolutely, not that it's a no-no, but flair is something that is sort of, um, it's an intangible. It's something that you, you don't, you can't really buy you can't you can't buy it in a bottle you can't it's something that it's really confidence flair is really confidence and so when you um when i break it down in that first chapter uh and when you start to figure out the pieces of yourself that give you that confidence um and understand that you are buying uh not for the mannequin that uh, that that this uh, particular outfit or or suit looks great on, but for yourself, and you start to uh, identify the uh, designers that that design for your body type, you start to uh, that flair starts to come out, and everybody has flair. It's a matter of feeling comfortable and confident in what you're wearing, uh, and understanding. Uh, the, your physical characteristics, your proportions, um, the body shapes, and, and all of that, and, and understanding that there's not one that's uh, superior over the other. You are who you are, and so and there are different ways of complementing, balancing, and camouflaging uh, your particular body type. So. Moving on of, of the other elements of your appearance, what are the, the top things that people need to think about? Hmm. Well, I think that the overall look, uh, for instance, obviously uh, for, for an interview, um, the suit, which is the first thing that people look at. Um, now, when, let, let me just stop you there because, you know, sure. I live in Florida. and. Right. So many companies are business casual. Is it still appropriate to wear a suit if the company attire is officially business casual and the person that you're meeting with is going to be in khakis and a golf shirt? Well, it's funny because I, I was just um, I was just in California for business and I was kind of wondering what to pack because I felt like you know it's kind of a um, it's a uh, warm climate and much more laid back than New York, but 
I found that the people that I was meeting with were wearing suits, and um, I I felt more comfortable wearing a suit. So I made it about what made me more comfortable, and I I felt like. Uh, like, for instance, right now I'm wearing a suit. I, I put on a suit. Even though we're on the phone, I just feel more official wearing a suit. And that's just right. me. It could just be me. But um, I think there are a lot of people like me, and I've talked to a lot of people who feel the same way, and, and, and even people who, who work at home, who telecommute. Uh, they, If you're in your pajamas, you're going to be in a sleepy pajama mode frame of mind. <laughs> so, so I, I, just, I resemble that remark. Well, not yeah, today. I'm, so, I'm know, out of I my just, pajamas now. <laughs> I, I just think that, you know, and I actually um, coordinated getting my hair done for today too. I just feel like if you feel a certain way, if you feel confident, it's you're going to sound confident. Even for instance, in a phone conversation, and many interviews right. these days take place over the phone. A lot of the initial screening takes place over the phone. People are busy. It's expensive to go back and forth. And so uh, I even advise people wearing something that makes them feel business-like. And for some people, it's the suit. And for some people, it's wearing a skirt or wearing a tie. I advise, I highly advise uh, wearing that during, during an interview. And, and also doing your research. Uh, there are times when uh, a lot of technology companies, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to single them out, but in our fashion companies, they tend to be more relaxed. For instance, with a fashion company, I would do the research in, in what the style is and certainly not take, um, for instance, wear a bag that has a logo of their competitor. So and that's right. something that I always caution people. They may have something that's very high-end, and they feel like, oh, I'm going to wear this on an interview. I'm going to use this on an interview. Well, guess what? This is the competitor of X, Y, and Z company, so you don't want to wear that. Very good. So the last couple of things in that section of the book are um, talking about hygiene, and I know that that is a very, very simple thing that people should be uh, already aware of, but uh, you obviously included it in your book because it's a problem. I did, and I included it because um, I wrote the book for for a number of reasons, but I wrote it for uh, job seekers to prepare for this rigorous task of finding a job, which which in this economic climate is is even harder than ever. But I also wrote the book with employers in mind and uh, HR people in mind. And many times um, I knew, I know that um, when I talked to clients, many times I, I wasn't even pitching a candidate, but we were just talking casually, and many times they'd say, oh, you know, you're an image co- image consultant. I, I, you know, I wish you would come in and talk to my staff about certain things that are a little bit uncomfortable for me to address. And and so that's one of the reasons why I included that in the book because it is a problem, uh, it is a challenge for some people, and some people just feel very uncomfortable addressing it. And I felt that um, if somebody just gave them gave them my book, they would be able to to read a lot of the things that are a problem. In the, in right. And the last one uh, actually is interesting too: uh, food for thought, eating well to endure the interview marathon. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, go on interviews, they get nervous, and so and they don't eat. They get lightheaded. Um, even even uh, just a light snack or just an, like an apple, which is one that I recommend because an apple um, is, is good for your breath. Um, right. It also, uh, it, it's, um, it's like a natural uh, toothpick. Uh, also, uh, so it gets rid of a lot of like the uh, grimy things on your teeth, um, and it's satisfying and it's sweet. Right. So um, a lot of times people think, well, I'm going on an interview, I'll be out in 45 minutes to an hour or or half an hour. Sometimes you're doing well, and they want you to meet other people, which is best case scenario. But if right. you're feeling lightheaded, you, your thoughts are going to be all jumbled and you're not going to want to be there because you're thinking about food. And so right. um, 
eating is so important because you don't want to uh, ruin the opportunity of being in the moment and being asked to stay, and all you can think about is eating and also staying hydrated. Um, yeah, that makes know, a lot of sense. But you know, I, you I'm sorry, you mentioned that you live in Florida, and that's and and now in New York here, it's it's, it's getting very very warm. Um, many times. Uh, I I would politely ask for a glass of water. It not only keeps you cool, but it also keeps you in the interview longer. It can't keep you out until you're done with your water. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know, what I was going to say is someone, and I think it was somebody I interviewed on on the Transition Solutions show last year, um, talked about how you should never, ever take anything but water because the the possibility of spilling right. something you know is is pretty hefty when you're nervous. Yeah. And I've always remembered that even when I go in, you know, on a consulting sales situation of uh even though I'm dying for a cup of coffee, you know, just saying no thank you water would be nice. Yeah, no. And well, and coffee can behavior. add a whole other set of problems going to the bathroom, <laughs> all kinds of other things. So, yeah, and even the water too, uh drinking too much of it can also yeah. send you to the bathroom, but um, and you don't want you don't want to present any uh, any obstacles or anything that will interrupt your the flow of the interview because you want it to flow well. That is the that is the goal. So, um, but but a glass of water is is great. It helps um, clear your throat. Um, it keeps you hydrated. Um, also, on the subject of keeping cool, um, using colors that are uh, lighter, you feel much cooler in in lighter colors, um, and fabrics that are um, absorbent and that breathe well in warm climates so that you are, because you never know, sometimes the air conditioner can can be out and, um, you know, you want to feel comfortable. That's the goal. Well, let's shift gears a little bit to talk about behavior um, because the the beginning of this, and, and we talked a little bit about this with Eleanor, um, your your chapter nine is have them at hello. And I love this one. It's about attitude. Mm-hmm. Yes. Attitude is, is extremely important because um, they are going to be potential employers are going to use the attitude that you have. They they don't know you. This is the, this is their very first impression of you. So if um, by chance they're running late or um, or something has come up where you have to wait uh, or something is thrown out of order, those are opportunities for you to keep your cool and show that you're not impatient, that you um, go with the flow that you um, are the type of person that is going to be someone who will work well under situations that may not be ideal, and, some, and that's, that happens in everyday work uh, day. Uh, so, so that's something, that's your opportunity to show that you're somebody who they want to have around on a day-to-day basis. Talk to me a little bit about maintaining space and pace. Right. There are people who are real close talkers, and, uh, and and they infringe on the interviewer's space um, for whatever reason. They just feel like it's a way of getting familiar, becoming fr- seeming friendly, and right. it, what it actually does is it, it alienates the person who's interviewing you. So you don't want to get. Um, in a person's intimate space because it it really what it does is it alienates them and it makes you seem like a person who really doesn't understand barriers. Um, And if you're going to do that with the recruiter, you'll do it with coworkers and, um, you know, it could could lead to serious misunderstandings um, down the road with, um, with coworkers. Um, and uh, misunderstandings that HR people really don't want to deal with. <laughs> so, so uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You also talk about the protocol police. What is that all about? Oh, just 
simple things like not bringing your own coffee um, on an interview. Um, so many times, like you mentioned, spills. A lot of times those spills happen with uh, just a, like a, a, a venti cup of coffee from from your from your favorite um, coffee place. Um, chewing gum, uh, twirling your hair. Uh, sometimes uh, just talking too much. Sometimes just not allowing the interviewer to ask you the questions and sometimes being overly anxious and interjecting on every single thing because you're so anxious and, and, and you want to seem so interested. Um, so and, and also I, I have I dedicate an entire chapter to dining etiquette. Because more and more, as I said, uh, many recruiters um, and hiring managers are becoming more and more busy, and um, and so they use every single second of their day, and sometimes it involves uh, breakfast interviews, uh, lunches, sometimes dinners, when you, a lot of times, if you're uh, going for a more senior position and the higher uh, on the food chain you get to, to interview many times, those executives are very, very busy, and so you end up with a dinner. Uh, and so I talk about that because so many times I cringe when a candidate has a dining interview because that just opens up a whole other can <laughs> in terms of uh, messing up. So um, and and there's just a lot of different things to prepare for a dining interview, uh, and and really, I think that interviews uh, can be nerve-wracking on their own. When you add the element of eating, and drinking, and thinking, and talking, all of those put together, they can be extremely, extremely uh, intimidating and nerve-wracking. So um, I suggest things like. Uh, Reviewing the place, finding out, doing some research on the the place, the uh, type of restaurant, the location, right. so that you're not late. Um, the cuisine, so many restaurants have their cuisine um, online so that you can look it up. And if you have any allergies, uh, just figure out what you're going to eat ahead of time and maybe even call ahead of time and find out if they prepare things a certain way because you don't want to get into this whole conversation about your allergies and personal things <laughs> to become <laughs> a person who's high maintenance and who has issues. Exactly. That that is so practical. So in the in the five minutes that we have left, let it let's shift gears to communication. So you talk about networking. Yes. And um so let's let's start with that. Uh, networking these days is um gold. Um using your uh, your immediate group. You obviously you start with your immediate group uh, many times when um, candidates are unemployed or suddenly become suddenly unemployed, um, they are embarrassed a lot of times. Um, they just want to do it on their own, and they don't want to reach out to people who can help them. And I think, uh, I, I think that that is a big mistake, especially uh, a lot of times this happens with recent college grads, um, and not not that they've become suddenly unemployed, but a lot of times they they have this pride issue where maybe um, they have parents who can help them, and uh, and they don't want to go that route. They want to do it on their own, and and I think that you will do it on your own because no one's going to keep somebody uh, on payroll who is not um, a, a competent person. But I think that using every single angle that you have. Um, including including uh, parents and family members, um, uh, professors, um, former employees, uh, former employers and employees, um, and then social networking is huge these days. Uh, so many times, um, LinkedIn, um, even Twitter and, and Facebook, there are so many people that post jobs um, and and they're not jobs that are posted in their job section. It's just people who are HR professionals and recruiters 
who really need help finding the right talent. Um, so social networking is huge, and, and going to mm, association events, um, really casting your, your net as wide as you can and not being proud, um, thinking that you can do it on your own, because it is a, a, a climate right now where every single angle is important. Terrific. Well, Lysandra, if, if you had one more thing to impart to those people who are, are either they've been on this journey for a long time and they're ready to, you know, to seize that, that opportunity that, that is just right around the corner, uh, or they're just starting out on this journey, what's the one thing that you want to leave uh, with them in these last couple of minutes? Um, I, I would say that you, you just you can't give up. It's um, especially if um, it's it's a situation or <clears throat> a job, a career that is is not just a money job. That it's um, it's really a life changing opportunity, and perhaps it's it's in a field where it's extremely competitive, or uh, you just can't seem to to get your foot in. Don't don't let go of the dream. And, and just keep plugging because eventually it will happen. Is it getting better out there? It seems to be getting better. Uh, there are industries that I, I find technology to be very, very hot right now. Um, and, um, and, and it's pretty much uh, they've always been hiring, um, but they, it, it, because of, because of uh, again, social media and um, a lot of companies uh, gearing themselves up, Technology is is just it's it's the backbone to so many businesses. So right. um, anything any any job in technology, if even if you're recruiting for technology, you're busy right now. Lysandra, you have a, a blog and uh, you. you have a website, and again, your book is The Image of Success. It's Lysandra Vega. And, Lysandra, can you tell folks how you prefer to be contacted? Sure. Again, the book is The Image of Success, Make a Great Impression, and Land the Job You Want. And mm-hmm. I, I can be reached um, um, through my website, which is my, my email is info at lysandravega.com. And uh, I, I'm also <clears throat> reachable through my uh, firm, which is called Perennial Resources International in New York, and uh, the number there is 212-661-4433. And um, I'm available for uh, consulting and also for um, – I've started to do searches again. So um, oh, if you get in touch with me, that would be the best time. Best well, I really appreciate it, Lysandra. And, you know, thank you so much. And, and again, uh, thank you for having me. About the- Oh, I went really welcome. quickly. <laughs> it does. It goes by so fast. Well, again, thank you so much, and have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. For more information about the Solutions Group, please check www.solutionsmedia.com, and that's Solutions with a Z. Go and find your legacy.